Hey fellow brain pickers and welcome to episode 137 of the Can I Pick Your Brain show. Now before you do anything, okay, if you haven't subscribed to my new show, The Daniel Geffen Show, it's a daily show where I basically walk in the park and talk to myself. You've got to go right now, right now, hit pause and go and subscribe to The Daniel Geffen Show. Now, this episode is really interesting because I had a fellow podcaster who's actually been podcasting for 11 years before anybody knew what podcasting was. In fact, at his peak, he was doing about 4 million downloads a month. 4 million downloads a month. He is the, or he was, I should say, the host of The Art of Charm. And now he is the host of the Jordan Harbinger Show. And what's really interesting is I actually mess up in the beginning, uh, which is pretty funny because I've never messed up before with a guest. And of course, on episode 137 with one of the top podcasters in the world, I have to mess up, right? Anyway, enjoy the show. Here's Jordan. And uh, Jordan talks about why you shouldn't launch a podcast. Welcome to the Can I Pick Your Brain podcast, where successful entrepreneurs get their brains picked so you can apply mindset tricks and game-changing tactics that will help you become unstoppable. Now, here's your host, Daniel Geffen. Why am I messing up? Uh, I've got an A-lister and I'm messing up. Blowing it. I'm blowing it, dude. Uh, (laughs) Are we good now? Do I sound okay? Yeah. Because I don't want to look stupid for my audience here. I don't want to look dumb, you know? Yeah. I don't want to do that. Um, So, Jordan, um, I'm going to hit record because I got a new style of podcasting. I got a new style of podcasting. This is this is new. Um I'm excited about it and I actually want to pick your brain a little bit about it because you're the expert. You've been doing this since I was in diapers. Um and we actually you launched your show the Jordan Harbinger show um what is it now? A couple of weeks ago, no? 4 weeks ago? Yeah, um in February. Come on, who does the freaking research here? Um, that's it, she's fired. Uh, you know, I, I tell her to research the guest and she doesn't do a job. Yeah, okay, February, it's still pretty new, still relatively new uh, compared yes. to your, your other one, the previous one, which was um, uh, Art of Charm. Thank God I got the name right. Um, yeah. Which you started, when was it? Back in 2006. 2006, yeah. Jeez. And nobody was doing podcasting back then. Like you were like the, the virgin podcast. I would say that it was damn close to that. Yeah. It was like, uh, there were 800 shows in iTunes and I remember going, no one's going to be able to find us. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. I I wish there was eight. Now there's about what? 300,000 or something ridiculous. I think there's three, 350,000. If I, I'm pretty sure it's somewhere in that neighborhood. It's crazy. So I want to get into a few things. Number one, one of the things I wanted to ask you is why should people start a podcast now if there's like 350,000 out there? Um, but let's go to your story for a second. So you left Art of Charm. Uh, there was, I guess, some politics that happened over that. We don't have to go into that if you don't want to, but um, 
that was pretty it, it was like a huge deal because you were essentially the face of art of charm and then suddenly you you left and then you started your jordan harbinger show which interestingly i just started the daniel geffen show Ta-da! right Ta-da. Uh, yes and the thing is, is, it's interesting because why did you go with your name? Because people, some people said to me, Daniel, isn't that a bit vain? Like, is, what an egotistical maniac you are for, like, creating a show named Daniel Geffen Show. Like, who do you think you are? Right. Why did you go from, you know, a generic name uh, like Art of Charm to then using your personal name? Are you asking me right now or you're going to ask me that at some point later? When uh, we do this? Let's go with it now. Okay. So the reason that I went with my own name is because I had so many problems with the former show name. Mm. It was, you know, a little cheesy, a little hokey. Um, it served its purpose, but then it, it became quite embarrassing for my team and I to even say what show it was that we did. And mm. I found that there were, I found that there were just a ton of, there were a ton of people, even on our own team, I'll put it this way, yeah. that said things like, uh, yeah, you know, we did the show, it's a podcast. Oh, what's it called? Well, it's called, it's called The Art of Charm, but it's not, it's not like... The Art of Charm. And it was just constantly problematic. And I thought, imagine if I'm having this problem recommending my own show that I've spent 11 years building, mm-hmm. imagine what the listeners are doing. Imagine them saying, hey, buddy, you know, hey, best friend, you've got to learn this. Or, hey, office manager at work, you should listen to this really good podcast. It's called, oh, I mean, okay, don't don't worry about what it's called. But it's it's not not as douchey as it sounds, right? So there were all kinds of problems like that. So I thought, okay, I could name it Advanced Human Dynamics, which is the name of my new company. Hmm. But I've built enough of a name that... I can use my own name. I've been podcasting for 11 years, had 4 million downloads a month at the peak of the old show. Um, and it, I want to brand it as myself. However, you know, I understand the need to brand it as something that's not just yourself so that people know what it is. And so people were, a lot of marketers are like, you should name it. That is a benefit to the listener, you know, like how to, live your best life or something. And I just thought all of those. Yeah. They just, they just all sounded so dumb. And the other thing is, you know, I, as much as I'm doing personal growth topics, as much as I'm doing subjects like nonverbal communication, networking, body language, all that stuff. Yep. I really want to had the, I want to have the freedom to interview, uh, an enemy of, uh, Vladimir Putin. I want to have the freedom to enemy, or to, sorry, to interview a North Korean defector, an enemy of the state. You know, I want to have the freedom to do that. And it doesn't make sense to have that in the oh, your best podcast. You know? <laughs> right, right. It just doesn't make any sense. So actually, it's interesting because um, one of the things that I've asked previous guests on, on Can I Pick Your Brain, which, by the way, Can I Pick Your Brain show, uh, I can't tell you the amount of times people said, oh, I'd love to come on I Pick Brains or uh, Pick Your Brain. And I'm like, freaking get the name of the show right, dude. Come on. So that's another reason why you just go with your name. People remember it, hopefully, although some people call me David 
I had a guest on my show who, um, who kept saying, yes, David, yes. And I'm like, my name's Daniel. And he just didn't hear it for some reason. He kept saying, well, David, you know, and I'm like, this is my freaking show. Get my freaking name right. It's Daniel. Yeah. David. Anyway, um, one of the things I ask guests is, you know, if you were to start all over again, what would you do? And the reason I do that is obviously because people in the audience are starting from scratch. You actually are a perfect example of that because you literally had to start from scratch all over again. Um, so two things. Number one is why like, did you think maybe it's too late for me to start again in the podcast space? Because you kind of had that momentum, right? You were doing 4 million downloads a month, which is insane. And then suddenly you're at zero. That must be like, ugh, like I can't even imagine what that feels like. And B, um, your recent stats, how many, how many downloads are you at right now? Because I, I, I heard you did like a million in the first three weeks or something. Ridiculous. Yeah, that's true. Let me look right now. I'll give you an up to the minute 30-day download count. Let's see. Do you, do you sit on the toilet and like check your downloads like every time you'll, you go to the bathroom? Of course. Don't we all do that? I'm pretty sure we all do that. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. <laughs> yeah. uh, 2.6 million the last 30 holy days. Holy crap. Wow. Yeah. Dude, people I'm spend years and they don't get to that, to that. That's insane. So I want to talk about that. So first of all, let's go back to, I guess, my, my first question, which was, you know, did you have doubts about starting over again in the same thing? Or did you think maybe I'll just do something else? Yeah, you know, I didn't really have doubts that I could do this again because there was nothing that I had at the old company that I wasn't bringing with me other than this sounds like a integral piece. So bear with me other than the audience. Mm -hmm. So, but that's kind of like saying if you're an entrepreneur and you say, or a business owner, cause the word entrepreneur is a little played out. If you know what I'm saying, oh, yeah. it's a little trendy. It's, oh, yeah. it's kind of digging at me, at me. My and a lot of entrepreneur. Yes. Who isn't? I mean, if you're not, you basically fail at life now. Isn't that the rule? <laughs> you're an entrepreneur, even if you're four years old. Right. So, I was, I was bringing everybody from the team that I worked with. I brought the whole production team. Uh, I brought the whole marketing team. I brought the whole sales team. Uh, my network, the podcast one that I was on, that immediately, I called the Norm Pattis over there. He's been in radio for 40 plus years. He's you know one of the main podcast guys around because he owns podcast one after selling Westwood one for, I don't know, a billion dollars or something back in the day. Uh, he said, you know what? I've been working in Hollywood with celebrities for decades. He goes, you are on the up and up. This is the beginning of your career. You can't quit. He goes, furthermore, if you take a break or if you try to do something else, you run the risk of that being something that you have a learning curve in. And he goes, you're really, you know, he, I'm trying not to flatter myself because it sounds, no, but he, you know, he said, basically his point was you can do this better than most people. So why the hell would you just start? Why would you not start over because a couple of, of yahoos, you know, have gotten in your way or something like that? And I thought that's pretty cool advice. He didn't use the word yahoos, but, it, you know, <laughs> I'm trying to keep it PG. And well, I thought that was pretty cool, you know, because to hear from somebody like that, it's not your mom going, you can be anything you want to be. It's not <laughs> that, right? This is a respected arbiter, discoverer, manager of talent in the space that you're in, that I'm in, 
that is undisputed. There's no question about the success that he's achieved in this space. There's no question that he's worked with all of the best voices and personalities in radio that have ever been in LA and, and nationally for that matter, ever. Like he's one of the Titans of radio to have him say, yeah, I listen to your show and you're on my network and it's really good and I like it and you're going places. That means something. It's not because right. what he could have done, what he could have done to save money is gone. Yeah, we're not interested in you anymore. Come back in five years. But he didn't. He said, here's a bunch of startup capital. Here's a new deal with a bonus for you on the network. Start over. We'll help you. And he ran three million commercials in the first, I think, two months of the show. That's insane. Wow. That's incredible. That's incredible support. It but is. So when people go, oh, my gosh, you're so talented. How'd you get a million downloads in the first three weeks? The answer is my network, not because I'm so good at talking that three million people just magnetically attracted to my new show. That was not it. So two things I really want to get out. One is what makes you such a good interviewer? What makes you so good? And, and second of all, like, how do you build such an incredible network? Because that network is, is priceless. Yes, literally. Well, you could probably value it, but it would be really hard. Right. So are you going to ask a question? I did. <laughs> no, I asked you. Yeah, I, this is the problem I, we're having right now. Yeah, all right. Your questions are very Australian. They're, they sound like statements. And then yes. I'm just like, what part of this is, is the question? I don't get it. All right, Harbinger. Okay, you might be like the number one podcaster, but I'm coming for you. So watch out. I know. That's why I'm trying to keep you down. The first you know? question. But it's not working. <laughs> the first question was, uh, what makes you such a great podcaster? Because obviously I want to know so that I can take you down and step on your head. And, and second of all, how do you build such a powerful network? Okay, cool. So the first thing I will attack here is people go, wow, you know, and you, you sort of alluded to this. Oh, you're a good interviewer. You know, what makes you so good? I'll tell you right now, I have no real talent in this area. Maybe 1%, if I'm being generous and bigging myself up, is, is talent. You know, when I was a kid, sure, I had a loud voice and, squeaky. you know, sure. What's it, squeaky? It was probably squeaky. Yes. <laughs> Sure, I had a loud voice. Sure, I uh, was a little bit outgoing, as, as literally all kids are until it's beaten out of them by school and teachers. Yeah. But um, that really wasn't it. And yeah, I wanted to be a talk show host when I was a kid because I thought it would be really fun. But I wasn't sitting around going, this is going to be my talk show. I'm going to do this. That, that, I had a little bit of a time advantage on people, I think, in a way, because I was a bossy, loud kid. But mm -hmm. I didn't do radio in high school. I didn't do radio in college. I didn't even do radio in law school until I started the podcast. I just like talking, but I wasn't a naturally gifted speaker. I wasn't good on stage. I didn't have this lack of stage fright that a lot of naturally talented orators and speakers have. I didn't have any of that. And I wasn't even particularly brilliant when it came to having conversations with interesting people, really, at all. What, what really sets me apart now is the amount of work that I put into each show. And the amount of practice that I've had over the last decade and change, you can't, if you do something for 11 years, mm. you can get not that much better at it, but you're going to get better at it, period. The reason that I've gotten better at it in, in a way that matters other, versus guys who've been doing it for 11 years but still don't sound like performers is because yeah. 
I've hired coaches for my voice. I've hired coaches for my production. I've hired coaches for my broadcasting. I listen to what other people do and I try to emulate that. Um, and then I try to make that style my own and I take feedback from the audience constantly. I'm always answering all my email. I answer all my tweets. I answer all of my Instagram messages, everything to try and get better at what is happening here. I have a team around me that does really well, uh, giving me feedback, telling me what they like, what they don't like. The other, the other thing is just practice, man. You know, I've been doing a show either most recently three times a week with the Jordan Harbinger show and a little bit with the last show. Um, but I've been, if you average it out, I've done well over a thousand hours of audio Whoa. and they say 10,000 hours till you master something, but they're not talking about just when you speak into the mic, bear in mind when I interview a guest, I spend six to 10 hours preparing for that guest, right? I you don't just six to 10 hours. Bloody. Do you know how long I spent preparing for you? I don't want to say because it's going to make me feel sad. Six <laughs> minutes. Six and that was because I went to get a cup of water to clear my throat and take right. a piss. And because that Zoom the, wanted to update, so you counted that too. <laughs> that was the that was the six minutes. No, but I'm I, I'm I, I don't know. I'm I'm di- I'm different. I'm lazy in that sense. Like I just I just get on the mic and I just have a conversation. It's I've seen I different, you. you know different but people I used, have. I used to do that too. You know, I used to do that too. And and I thought for years, I went. <laughs> Oh, well, you know, I'm having these really good conversations with people, so I don't really want to sit around and, and, and read the whole book. I don't have time for that. Yeah. And so I didn't bother. And then I, I'll tell you how I discovered this. It was complete accident. People were telling me things like, oh, you know, you should read the book. You should do this. And I was like, oh, I'm going to find a hack because I'm an entrepreneur. <laughs> I got to find a hack around this. And, you know, it, it really dawned on me. I interviewed this. You know who Robert Green is? Yeah. Power. Something so, about 48 power. Something I, like. Yeah. 48 laws of power. Well-known author, et cetera. Yeah. I interviewed him. And after the interview, this is years ago. This was my seven year anniversary episode of the last show. This is wow. years ago. It was almost five years. Yeah. About five, five years ago, more than five years ago now. And I said, all right. That was, I'm going to prepare for this. I read the whole book. I got everything done. And then after the interview, he said, why did this take so long? And I said, what do you mean? And he goes, <laughs> bouncing around back and forth for a really long time on scheduling, never really scheduled it. And I said, well, you know, I, I didn't really feel like I was ready. And he said, well, what are you talking about? I do a lot of media, I do a lot of interviews. This is one of the better interviews I've, I've ever done. And I said, oh, okay, you know, thank you, whatever. And he's like, yeah, you, you know, you got something going here. That's great. And I thought like, oh, that's really nice. And I I emailed my friend Ryan Holiday and I said, oh, you know, um, Robert Greene's really nice. He said this really nice thing that would make me blah, blah, blah. And he goes, Robert doesn't just say nice things for the sake of being a polite guy. He's a nice guy, but he doesn't go like, oh, you're really good at this when you're not like that's not his style. And I I said, oh, okay. So he kind of meant what he said, which is, you know, always really nice to hear. And so I took that to heart because I thought, wait a second, this really famous author who's been interviewed a bajillion times, Mm -hmm. he likes what I did there. Maybe I should try harder. And the reason this was better was because I read the whole book and I wrote notes down. And this is seven years into the show, right? Mm -hmm. So I started going, all right, well, I'll do that. And I told my, my now wife at the time, girlfriend, I said, this interview went really well. 
And she goes, what was different? I said, I read the book. And she goes, yeah, of course, you're going to be better if you read the book. And I thought, well, yeah, but I thought I was kind of faking it. You know, I used to be like, I don't prepare at all. I don't read the book. I don't need to read the book. I'm not going to read the whole book. Who does this guy think he is? I'm sending right. me a copy of this book. I'm not going to read this crap. You know, right. and I used to and then I started being like, well, okay, I read the book. I'm really well prepared. And then I remember talking with authors and get them going, this is, this is one of the best interviews I've ever done. You really do know the content. That's really impressive. And then I, I started having deeper and deeper conversations with each guest. And then I thought, well, what if I read all their books? What if I read the book and I read their Wikipedia and I looked at their social media? You know, then how would this interview go? And then I found there's kind of this great rabbit hole that you can go down with someone's work. And they are... It's not just, you're not trying to impress the guest. This is where a lot of show hosts fall into a trap. They try to impress the guest. They're like, yeah, I looked at your high school yearbook from 1977 and I got your picture and you had this weird hair. And they're like, okay, you know, that's over preparing. But if you're going through the work and you've got all this great stuff, these great takeaways, you're not just impressing the guest. The guest goes, oh, okay, I don't have to explain really basic stuff to you other than when, of course, you ask for the benefit of your audience. So they mm -hmm. relax a little bit and they come out of their standard talking points and that's extremely powerful. And there aren't a whole lot of ways that you can do that. Joe Rogan does it too, but the reason he's able to get them out of their pre-scripted talking points yep. is because he's curious and he spends three hours with them. Nobody has three hours of talking points. Right. So the way that I do it is I'm so prepared that if I sent somebody going, Oh, yeah, well, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I've heard you say that on other media. But my question is deeper. It's blah, blah, blah. And so I go, oh, yeah, yeah. I sort of dispense with that talking point, and then I get down to business, and I ask a question about that. I've already heard that soundbite because I listened to three other interviews they did, or I, listened, I watched their TED Talk and their Google Talk or whatever. That stuff's powerful, and that stuff, that's what you've got to do is get past the talking points. And honestly, the option B, the Rogan method, and I'll, I'll do this too. I record in 90-minute blocks, but my show's 45 minutes to an hour long. If I have to exhaust that person, I'll do that too. I don't care. I will gladly let you chat for 45 minutes and all your prescripted talking points, and my producer will go snip, and they'll all go down the drain, and then I'll do a interview. I will just tire your ass out because I got more stamina than you do because I've been doing this for 12 years. I can record for six hours. I know that somebody who just wrote a book can't do that. That's incredible. Dude, that's skill. Wow. But what are you looking for, though, in an interview? Because, and I love this, that, that, that you're talking about the scripted guests, because I hate that, you know, and I've had so many guests on my show who clearly are coming on scripted. They want to, they have an agenda. They're basically like, they're, they're in their sleep. They could talk about what they're talking about because they've said this like hundreds of times. And I don't want to have that on my show for two reasons. Number one is because it sounds bloody boring. But number two, number two is also, um, if anybody's listened to them on another show, they're going to hear exactly the same thing. Right. So yeah, it's tired AF as we say in tired AF. Yeah. yeah. You know, the reason why I started Daniel Geffen show and, and what makes it different to uh, pretty much all the other shows out there is because, um, I'm essentially walking through the park with my headphones in, um, and I'm just talking out my thoughts. So there's no agenda. It's just literally, I have a little bit of bipolar. So I talk out loud and thank God for the headphones because otherwise people think I'm loony and they put me away. The so headphones are not on though. Most of the time, that's what you haven't said. They're not on. Well, so <laughs> but basically what happens is is that people think i'm on a phone uh, on a phone call so right. you know it looks like i'm just talking to the phone so one day i had this brainwave i'm like 
well, why don't I just record this? And, you know, if it sounds good, I'll make it a podcast out of it. And so it did. It sounded great, right? I had some great material. Uh, and so that's how the Daniel Geffen show was born. It's just me talking to myself. Um, that was the David Geffen show. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the question is, I guess, is people listening to this right now, right? To every Tom, Dick, Harry, and Sarah is starting a podcast show. A, should they start one themselves? B, if they do, how should they go about it differently to everybody else? You know, my advice, I, I give this talk often in, pri well, in usually in private small groups of entrepreneurs, like the, these curated conferences. And yeah. um, since podcasting is so trendy, I tend to get invited to these things. <laughs> and they'll go, we want to hear about podcasting. And but the yeah. title of my talk is, Please, for the love of God, do not start another podcast. Oh, no. <laughs> and, and the reason for that is the people will show up and they'll go, all right, so I'm here because I'm writing a book and, and I'm like, I, let me finish your sentence for you. <laughs> all your friends and all the so-and-so people, whatever, are asking you, when are you going to start a podcast because podcasts sell books and you got to have a podcast and it's part of your personal brand. You got to have a personal brand because you got a book, so you need a podcast, whatever. And they're like, yeah. And I go, do you want to do it? And they're like, eh. I mean, it could be fun. And I'm like, don't do it. Right. The only time you should start a podcast is if you go, this looks so fun. Mm -hmm. I don't even care if anyone listens. It's going to be awesome because I'm going to get to talk to people and it's just going to be a freaking blast. And it's just me and my friends having, you know, a drink and talking with other massage therapists from <laughs> India. Then do a show, man. Do it. It'll be awesome. You'll have a great time. No one will listen to it and you won't care. <laughs> you won't care. The problem is people start podcasts and they go, oh, cool. Yeah, I know this guy, Jordan. He has like 4 million listeners. Even if I just had like yeah. 10,000, I'd be right. totally cool with that. Because mm -hmm. I only have to sell a couple thousand books to make my agent happy. Here's mm -hmm. the problem. You can't outsource the hard work because it's your voice, right? So you've got to be there. You've got to show up. Also, it's a performance. Blogging, you can outsource that to another writer. If the writing's not good, you edit it. It sounds better. It reads yeah. better. It looks better. It doesn't matter. <clears throat> if you have a podcast, you got to have your voice on there. If it doesn't sound good, oh, well. You can edit out a sneeze or a cough, but you can't turn yourself into a great orator through uh, the magic of technology. You just can't. Right. And so it has all of the downsides of YouTube where you've got to be there. There's a lot of production. You can't replace yourself. You've got to have a performance in mind. It has all those downsides. None of the upsides. People recognize you. You can build audience quickly. You can throw advertising behind it and build people, you know, have people looking at your videos all the time by paying Google to do it. You can't do that. So with podcasting, you have to like it. It is a terrible effing way to make money. It's the worst <laughs> the way worst. to make money that I could think yeah. of in the online space. Why do I do it? Because I love it. I love having interviews. I love talking to guests. I love long format, which doesn't work on YouTube. I'm not yeah. really interested in writing. So it's a perfect medium for me. And I would do it even if nobody was listening. Now, fortunately, a lot of people are listening, so I can do more than one show a week. But if I didn't have anybody listening, this would just be a hobby. I would still do it. I'd probably still do it once a week. Me and my producer would be, you know, these unpaid geeks doing it on Saturday morning or something like that, and it would be the highlight of our week. Instead, it's my career. But that took a long time. Nobody gave a crap the first six years of the show. I probably had 
8,000 listeners or something, you know, <laughs> up through 2013 or 14. It's hard to even say. You couldn't even get an accurate measurement of how many people were listening to you. This is the beginning of the podcast landscape. If you haven't started a show yet, but you really want to, and you still, like I said, you don't care if anybody listens, etc. start a show. You're not late. You know, you're not late. Most of the 400,000 podcasts in the iTunes store are going to be dead in a year, if that long. Why? You can build your talent. What's that? Why? Why? Just because they're going to give up? Oh, yeah. They'll just give up. I think, I think it's um, my producer keeps telling me the updated stats on this. I think people make it on average to episode 13. Woohoo! I, I, That's, I'm, I'm okay. <laughs> yeah. And, and think about that. Like, I do 12 shows a month. So if you're doing a show a week, you, you're going to give up in what, the, like the end of the second, middle of the second quarter? Mm-hmm. I mean, you're, it's, it's, if you're doing it because you like it, you don't care if anybody listens, it's not costing you a ton of money or you have a ton of money and you don't care, go ahead and do a show. You know, it, it just do not expect to have a big audience. Do not expect to have a lot of interaction. Do not expect to be able to reach out to Dwayne Johnson, The Rock, and get an interview anytime soon. <laughs> if you are interviewing pet shop owners in the Miami metropolitan area, and that's what you want your show to be about, do it. You're going to be successful in your own space. You're going to get free dog biscuits, and you're going to be happy doing it. If you're doing it because you want to be a YouTube celebrity, but you think podcasting is better because you got a face for radio, don't do it. It's not going to happen. Now, Jordan... But be honest with me. Is this just a tactic to get rid of all the competition? You just want right. to like, yeah, you just want to tell everybody, hey, don't start a podcast. Nah, you don't want to do that because you want all the attention on. I want the- all the ears. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. Actually, the people who won't listen to me are people who are like, look, I've been in radio for 10 years. I know how to produce a show. Or actually, I'm pretty good at speaking and orating. I think I'm going to be good at this. I have a lot of connections. I'm going to be able to get great guests. Those people aren't going to listen to me. And that's, that's kind of the point. They mm-hmm. shouldn't listen to me because they're going, I can do this. I'm different. It's going to be fine. And those are the people that should really give it a shot. I want to knock people off the fence who feel like, oh, should I do this? I feel like I have to. Everybody says do it. It's like the people who reluctantly joined Snapchat because everyone mm-hmm. was doing it. And now they're like, Snapchat sucks. Nobody's using it anymore. And I'm like, I knew that was going to happen, right? Yeah, but I'm yeah. wrong about, I was wrong about Instagram. I, I didn't think nobody would use it, but I didn't think I would like it. Now I love it. Yeah. But I, I think most people won't listen. And the other thing is, I actually benefit from newbies coming into the market and quitting. Because if you, not you, if somebody listens to this and is like, well, I still feel like I have to do it because I'm going to write an ebook, they <laughs> go to start, they promote to their 500 person list, they get 200 listeners of their show. Now people are in the po- podcast ecosystem thanks to them. And those people go, eh, this sort of, this survey ebook show that I joined that this guy that I follow online, I mean, it's okay. What else is in here? Oh, there's all these interviews with all these other good people. Oh, cool. This Joe Rogan thing's interesting. Oh, this Jordan Harbinger thing's interesting. Oh, this other podcast is interesting. And then I end up with more listeners because the ecosystem is bigger. So I actually benefit from bringing in people who then waste a ton of time bringing their 200 followers into the ecosystem and quitting it's good for me but it's bad for them and frankly i have better ways to acquire new listeners so i'd rather save people the time and tell them the truth which is if you don't really love the idea of doing a show even if it's not successful which chances are it won't be that then don't bother it's like auditioning for american idol sure you're thinking oh i'm (laughs) gonna make it it's gonna be so great but chances are you're just gonna end up being that 
that autistic Asian guy who's like, she bang, she bang. And then he's like, oh my God. <laughs> right. And be famous because of that. But really, you're just going to go in there and waste your time. Some people are going to listen to this and think, what a douche this guy is. Like, he's killing sure. dreams. You know, you're the guy with the stick, like running around hitting people going, oh, you're never going to make it. Like, you're never going to make it. Like, what do you, what do you say to them? I say, you're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> because nobody else is telling you the truth, right? They're saying, follow your dreams. Follow yeah. your passion. And I'm saying, you know what? People who normally follow their passion, you know where they are? They're on their mom's couch. Because the only wow. time you hear from people who say, follow your passion, they have microphones in front of them. Oof. So it's called called survivorship bias and what this means is that we hear from mark cuban and he says follow your dreams and we hear from the guys on other guys on shark tank guys and gals and we hear from yeah. these other entrepreneurs do it follow your dreams. but we hear from them because they made it do they make it because they followed their dreams no they made it for other reasons but they don't really know how to articulate those or the reasons are really unsexy you know, work your ass off. You're going to hate doing it, uh, but eventually your competition's going to give up because you're relentless and you're going to be really lucky some of the time. So that's going to help maybe. And then the people you don't hear from are the people that follow their dreams right on their mom's couch. Like I mentioned, they follow <laughs> their passion and they're not able to do it. Think about the music industry. It's a cliche that most people who want to be a rock, rock star, they just never make it. And they end up kind of like working at a bar or something and they play their music there on Tuesdays. And that's fine. But most people don't envision that when they pick up a guitar. So what I'm saying is if you're buying your podcasting kit from someplace, it better be because you like playing the guitar for your family and your kids and your friends and posting it on Facebook occasionally and playing at the bar on Tuesday because statistically that's where you're going to end up. But here's the trick. If you really don't care if anyone listens to your show and you're just willing to do it for 10 years or five years or whatever, there's a chance that after that amount of time you're going, oh, I'm actually pretty good at this. I've interviewed a lot of people. I've built up this kind of cool, loyal, few thousand person base. Maybe I can take things to the next level. But it's not going to happen the first year that you're doing it. And so, and I think most people who start, they kind of think, yeah, but I'm the exception because I know how to drive Facebook ads or something like that. And that just does not work when you're asking people for an hour of their time. It doesn't work. You have to have something else. Okay. What about Tim Ferriss, the four hour work week and how you can basically work four hours and, you know, live the dream life, the new rich. What about that? Yeah. So I've been friends with Tim for a really long time and I wish I had this post on speed dial, but there's a post <laughs> where he talks about that. He's never worked four hours and is like so at all. It's always more like called the four hour blinking work week. Like Cause he's, he's Google split tested the titles and drove ad traffic to various titles, and the one that performed the best was the four-hour work week. It has nothing to do with the amount of work that he did. sold a lie. I mean, I think he even explains it in the book. Hey, look, it's not going to take four hours. I know Tim. That guy, at least used to, back in the day, he used to work probably somewhere in the neighborhood of 60 to 80 hours a week. Yeah, but then in his book, he talks about how he got it down to 15 hours a week, and then he got it down to... Right, you know. on, on certain projects. But I mm. bet you that what he was working on when he got it down to 15 hours a week, and I'd have to reread this, but it's yeah. like, yeah, oh, I got my online company down to 15 hours a week. Cool. Then what'd you do? Oh, well, then I wrote a best-selling book about how to do this, and that took 60 <laughs> hours a week of research, <laughs> which I outsourced, you know, 30 of it, and then I wrote it, and that writing takes me 12 hours a day. Da, da, da. You know, like, people who are able to outsource things, I shouldn't say people, 
Tim, who was able to outsource a lot of that stuff, he did it because he wanted to do other projects. He didn't just like sit around on the beach. The thing is, the irony here is people who are really good at outsourcing and creating sort of lifestyle businesses, they have like five of them. They don't have one and they go, cool, man, I'm just going to go to the zoo every day now. They don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> I know I know hundreds of entrepreneurs very few of them are like oh I don't work past 2 p.m. the people that say that are internet marketers and they say that because that's what they're selling that's okay. what they're selling okay. they're selling the idea that you don't have to work that much people I know that have accomplished a lot in real life and aren't just saying so in sales copy they're working a ton because they love it so you have to decide if that's what you want to do and you can't say well I love it when I'm making a million dollars a year that's not how this works Okay, so you're basically saying, so that I can put it in a more positive light, because, you know, Darth Vader here has been sucking out all the love and, That's right. and sprinkles and rainbows, um, is that if you're going to chase a, something, if you're going to chase after something, you've got to realize that you've got to put in a lot of work in order to be successful at it. And, and in order to survive that, you've got to love it, because if you don't love it, there's no way you're going to survive. Right. The only reason that Tim and, and, and all these other big names that you may know, like Gary Vaynerchuk and Grant Cardone and Tim Ferriss and whoever else you follow, the reason why they're successful is because they put in the work. And the reason why they're able to put in so much work and outwork everybody else is because they love what they're doing. Well, yeah, but also here's another thing. What most yeah. people see is the... I don't want to say tip of the iceberg because it's going to be confusing, but I will, I'll use it anyway, the tip of the iceberg. So when you see Tim Ferriss, you're like, oh, man, this guy, look what he did. Now he's famous. Yes. Bear in mind that the four-hour work week came out in like 2007, right? Before that, he ran a startup company. He worked for a bunch of other companies. He was in the Silicon Valley tech scene. He invested in Uber. You know, mm -hmm. he had um, – and then he – wrote a book that became a bestseller. Do you think that's how he started his career? No. He did a bunch of stuff before that that you can't see, and that was over 10 years ago. Grant Cardone is well-known now. I, I remember talking with him in, I think, 2009 or 2010 because I met a, his assistant at a bar, mm -hmm. and he had just shot a pilot for National Geographic that didn't go anywhere. Oh uh, I think it was called Turnaround Kings or something like that. <laughs> and, and it didn't go anywhere. And I remember talking with him, and he was like, yeah, I've got this career where I've done this, and for the past 25 years, I've been doing this sales thing. He spent decades building that business before he even started his online stuff that everybody knows about, and he's driven millions of dollars in advertising. Millions mm -hmm. of dollars in advertising towards that particular project. If right. you, and you look at any sort of entrepreneur they've got millions of dollars in advertising that they've used to build an online personality and they've spent years and years and years and years and years. So people go, well, man, you know, like you're good at podcasting. You're good at interviewing. How long? Nobody says, yeah, I've been listening to you for nine years or 11 years and 11 years ago, you're really crappy at this. You know, right. there's a emails that I get with that. And I like that because it's funny and it makes sense. And right. I was, but that's, that's just the thing. You don't have people looking at the beginning you're, in fact, you're not even looking at other people's beginning. You're looking at what they have now, and you're like, oh, okay, that seems to be the starting point. So that's, and that's bad for you because yeah. you're comparing your blooper reel with all of your real life-ish in it to their highlight reel, which is them with their 10 billion views on YouTube or whatever, yeah. and you're going, oh, my God, I have to get there. 
And the, the answer is no. The truth is you do not. You have to get where they were so long ago that it's not online. There is no record of where they were 10 years ago because they were in a car dealership selling used cars 10 years ago. And that's how they learned their sales skill set. And then when they got good at it, four years later, they wrote a training manual. And then five years after that, they started a training company because they were good at training people. And then that training company worked for 10 years. And then they went, oh, I got to bring it online. So they made a course. And the course was successful. So they started driving ads to it. And then they decided, oh, I got to do a personal brand. And then I can start speaking. And I can sell more of these courses. That's a 20-year career. But people don't right. see that. They come on stage and they go, oh, I need to learn how to speak so I can go up on stage <laughs> like this. That's not the beginning. Right. So, you know, so what's really frustrating is that people like Grant Cardone, people like Gary Vaynerchuk and Tim Ferriss, when people watch them, they're seeing where they are right now. So they're trying to emulate where they are right now, but they can't go and see them 10 years ago, right? Because they're, they're seeing them now. They're going to their event now. So in a way, it's, it's almost like misleading because all these people that are, are essentially selling whatever they're selling online to you it's it's kind of it's not real you can't really have that right 99.9 .9 of, the, of their audience can't have what they have now they've got to go back to the beginning and start from scratch and do what whatever they did at the beginning that's the yeah, thing pretty much i mean you don't have to do the same thing but not the same thing but cannot expect you, you really cannot expect that to work the same way. So what, really what I'm saying is don't compare your blooper reel to their highlight reel because it's yeah. going to be an unfair comparison. You're going to give up. And also don't compare what you're doing online with somebody else who you already see is, is famous online. You can listen to their advice or whatever, but chances are their advice isn't even going to be that accurate because they don't necessarily know their path. Like if someone's starting a podcast, I don't say do it for 10 years and be bad at it and then eventually start taking it seriously and then dot, 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 you know, you're going to be mm -hmm. a famous podcaster or whatever that means that's not how this works either you really have to put in a ton of work there's an element of luck there's an element of timing but also you create this entire business and then you learn how to do these things correctly a lot of what marketers and online personalities will, will tell you is yeah you know you just got to like be inspirational and the right crowd will find you and all that that's all baloney what they don't want to say is yeah I spent four hundred thousand dollars on advertising <laughs> on in Facebook, YouTube, and whatever other platform last year, and it netted me uh, 80,000 new leads, and I ran them through a sales funnel. I sold some of them into my live event, and I sold some of them into my online course. The rest of them I put into my social media, and then I bought a bunch of followers and engagement so that my profile looked more busy. They don't want to tell you that. It's not mm -hmm. sexy. They'd rather stand on the beach, face the water, throw their arms in the air at sunset, edit the photo, and then put a quote over it that says, in order to get here, you got to go where other people won't go or something else like that. And then they post that on Instagram and it gets 4,000 likes and people are like, that's what I got to do, man. Just got to be inspired. No, I spend 0% of my time trying to figure out how to motivate or be inspired. I'm working. And that's, that's what all these marketers are doing too. I know these guys in real life. I go to their house. I go to their events. I see what they work like. And, and most of them are working their ass off. They're just not showing you that part of the work because it's not sexy. Right. People don't want to see that either. People in this generation, I feel like there's a lot of laziness. There's a lot of, oh, quick fix. Let me make it now. There's a lot of impatience. And then it just really comes down to patience and hard work, which really nobody wants to buy that. They don't want to buy that. Oh, I have to work hard and be patient. Nah. 
screw that. Yeah. I'll just, yeah. So yeah. tell us, so just before we wrap up, tell us a little bit more about the Jordan Harbinger show for those uh, listening to this right now that want to check it out. Give them a little teaser. What is it about um, who the type of guests you have and what is the theme of the show? Sure. So what I do on the Jordan Harbinger show is I study thoughts, actions, habits of brilliant people. I ask them what I hope are interesting questions so that the audience, the listener, can apply what they're teaching for themselves. So I create worksheets. Well, my team creates worksheets for every episode um, cool. so that you can apply what you hear. So it's not just like, oh, yeah, that was so cool how that guy had a great story. It was so interesting. It's like, yeah. no, no, no. Here's how you become a better persuader. Here's how you become a better networker. Here's Larry King talking about conversation skills. Here's General McChrystal talking about leadership and making tough decisions. And now here's a worksheet on how to walk yourself through a tough decision. You know, and even when I have what's, what's considered just an interesting story, like when I'm talking about arms trafficking or money laundering, I'm mm -hmm. creating an awareness or the guests and I are creating an awareness whereby it's like, hey, next time you see a business like this, just think this could be how this is how other similar businesses do money laundering or this is how drug deals and drug operations work you know you're not going to become a better drug dealer or maybe you will but <laughs> you're going to have an awareness where you go oh that's what's going on oh that's why that's the way it is so even the episodes that are light on practicals will teach you something that you're going to remember for the rest of your life and that's really the goal because if you're just into something that's exciting or interesting it's just entertainment and i want you to be entertained but i also want you to take something away from it because it's kind of like eating a sandwich you know do you want something that's just going to taste good or do you want something that has a little bit of nutrients in it but also tastes equally good I, I think most people would take the latter and so that's what we're really trying to create here is something that if you listen for a decade you become a different and better person not oh yeah I've just been entertained every morning for a decade you know what I mean yeah and that's the big goal you want to you want to continue this for the next 10 years doing the same show and, and or is there something else in the pipeline Oh, well, I mean, I'm just beginning, you know, career wise, I've been doing this for 11 years, yeah. 11 and a half. That's the beginning of a broadcasting career. People are like, oh my God, you've been doing this for so long. If you met somebody who was in radio for 10 years, you wouldn't, you would be like, oh, wow, legit. All right. You're like a real radio guy. You wouldn't be like, holy crap. That's so long. <laughs> right. Somebody does something for 30 years. You're like, oh my goodness. You've been doing this for 30 years. You know, that's different. So I'm in the first 25% of my broadcasting career. Yeah, I will, I'll take it to television. I've had a lot of offers to do so. Um, I'll take it to a different online format, but I, and I don't even mind. I would love to do this on video. The thing is, if I can get a guest that is uh, a world-famous A-list celebrity, but I can't get them to come in studio, I don't want to have to then cancel that because I can't get them on video. That's stupid. So I'm going to do audio only, and that's just the way it is. So I like the audio-only format. It allows me to do three shows a week instead of one, and that is at a very low cost, and I think that's very important. You could use Zoom and just do a video call. Yeah, but nobody wants to watch two dudes chatting on a webcam. <laughs> they just don't. <laughs> that's, that's so true. Uh, oh, cool. So for those listening, uh, head over on iTunes to just type in uh, the Jordan Harbinger Show and hit the subscribe button. Um, and by the way, Jordan, you said that you interview brilliant minds, so I'm just going to have to send you my my bio um so yes. i'm on the show because you know i have a brilliant mind and uh indeed you do yeah dude thank you so much man i really loved having you on um and uh i think what you said was 
sweet salt salt bitter salt bittersweet there we go that's the word bittersweet i think it needs to be it needs to be heard it needs to be said uh, especially because you're now one of the few people that are actually standing up and and going against all this you know online crap that people are spewing all over the place where it's quick get rich quick you know it's easy um and there needs to be more people getting up and saying guys like come on you need to work hard uh it's not what people want to hear but it's it's the truth and sometimes the truth hurts yeah, look, I'm not trying to scare people away from doing something that they think is going to be exciting. I just don't want people to have expectations that they're going to buy someone's build-a-business-in-a-box product and that they're going to get a successful business as a result, especially yeah. when it comes to something that requires performance. You know, look at a lot of online marketers. The ones that are really good that you know of, they're all performers, right? The ones you've never heard of, the ones that are behind the scenes because they're not performers, they're not doing as well. So mm -hmm. is this a marketing business? And if so, how much of that marketing is a performance in a specific niche of Instagram, social media, YouTube video, podcasting, right? Like this is a performance space. It is mm -hmm. not just a, oh, I know how to run ads and I write good copy space. That's, that's where amateurs and middle, that's where people go in the middle to blend in with everyone else. If you're going to stand out, you have to build this as a skill set. It is not easy. Yeah, totally. So, Jordan, just before you go, should I quit the show or should I keep going? <laughs> you should keep going. I feel like you're really enjoying it. Yeah, that's the right answer. You hear that, guys? Jordan Harbour just said I need to continue, so I'm going to continue. There we go. Jordan, thanks so much. Really appreciate it again. Um, and thank you, all my fellow listeners. Looking forward to the day when I'll be picking your brains. <laughs>